So Money Episode 416, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront, the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Visit Wealthfront.com forward slash So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. It is Friday and it's Ask Farnoosh time, as always. Every Friday, I answer your money questions. We go through some changes on this podcast. We go from seven days to five days to three days per week, but the Friday episode uh, remains the same. We are answering your money questions. And this was a pretty uh, bittersweet week because uh, Follow the Leader aired its final episode of its season. You know, very excited on the one hand to see the Tracy Anderson episode premiere. And for those of you who didn't catch it, don't worry. You can always watch it online at followtheleader.cnbcprime.com for free. So Tracy Anderson was our last profile, a female founder, fitness guru, and entrepreneur, and trainer to the stars. People like Gwyneth Paltrow and Madonna and who else? Who else? Uh, Sophia, help me out here. Um... She once upon a time Kim Kardashian. Kim, really? Wow, Kim Kardashian. Yeah, and and Farnoosh Tarabi. I went to one of her classes <laughs> and trained with her in a group, uh, not one on one. That would have been scary. But she is an amazing entrepreneur. Somebody who I think a lot of us, in some way, shape, or form, can relate to, only because. For those of us who are entrepreneurs, who are experts in our fields, and want to go big, you know, how do you do it? How do you scale? How do you clone yourself, but not really. And that's why Tracy is the, the leader that we wanted to follow in this particular episode. So really excited for that to air, but also sad, of course, because it was the last episode. And um, time will tell if Fall the Leader will have a second season. That is to be determined. I've always said that no matter what, it it's an experience that I will always take with me. And um, it got me to places I'd never been, to meeting people I had never dreamt of meeting. So it was a real privilege and just happy that I got the chance to share it with y'all. All right. So this week, we've got a ton of questions and some comments. And of course, Sophia is back. Sophia, how are you doing, my love? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on another episode. Are you having fun? Because that's all that really matters. I don't want to feel I like am. you're doing a chore here. I am. But you know what else was an exciting week this week, Farnoosh? It was our one-year anniversary. It was. You and I yes. one. Can you believe it? No, I can't. Time flies when you're having fun. I know. And your birthday is this month too. So May is an especially cool month um, yeah. over at our office. Um, so, well, uh, thanks for reminding me. I don't think we really <laughs> celebrated. So we'll have to do something fun to commemorate our one-year anniversary. Definitely. What do you think has been the hardest part of working with me and maybe like the, the, the thing you least expected? Oh, wow. Putting me on the spot. I know, right? <laughs> um, well, I would say I never envisioned working for an entrepreneur. I always thought that both of my parents had corporate jobs and I went to a liberal arts college. So I was always under the impression that 
you know, you worked the nine to five. So I think that it's been a really cool experience working for you, an entrepreneur, getting to experience all of the different projects that you have, whether it is working with, you know, a client who's a little bit more corporate, someone like a JP Morgan, Chase, or whether it's doing something really fun like the podcast and where you're interviewing all of these great people. So I think that's just been really cool to see that side of things and open my eyes to the fact that maybe I could be an entrepreneur entrepreneur one day myself. So I think that's been really fun and exciting. Um, one of the challenges, I guess, is probably along that same line, you know, getting used to working by yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when you're working at a corporate job, you're kind of on an open floor plan surrounded by all of these people. And sometimes now, you know, it's a little bit more lonely when you're working, you know, by yourself or with a smaller team. But I think it's a lot more fun because you get to have, well, you meet so many more people. And but you also really get to experience everything from the bottom up. So you know, you're not stuck in one role. So I think that's kind of been a challenge, but also, you know, one of the many parts of being an entrepreneur. So I think that's been fun to experience. Good to hear. This is really, really good feedback for me, I think, (laughs) to hear this. And I completely uh, know what you mean about the isolation factor sometimes, because even, well, of course, when we're together, that's fun. And but even that can feel a little like, you know, we work at a we work, everybody, which is the whole point is for us to get out and meet people. <laughs> we work and everyone keeps to themselves, which is I don't think something that they intended or really would like it to get out there. <laughs> Everyone's like working in their own silo. But um, I did sign up for a cupcake tasting the other day at WeWork. <laughs> so I do take advantage of those things when they come up. But yes, I think um, it's important for us to get out more. While we have an office, I think it's important to go to the meetings. And I try to send you off to things even if I can't go just because I know it's it's important to like remember how to you know network and, and talk and make those relationships. <sighs> Hashtag goals, things to work towards. <laughs> All right. So uh, one of the many jobs that you have is, of course, compiling the questions and the comments for Ask Farnoosh every week and going through all the mail. And um, I'm going to do the honors of reading our very first – well, it's really more of a constructive criticism from Sheena, who did not leave me her email, by the way, so that I could respond privately. So I'm just going to respond to you on the podcast because um, I don't think you'd mind. So Sheena says, hey, Farnoosh, I love your show. I'm a dedicated fan. She has some feedback from the heart. She says, save time for more content by asking your subjects questions once. You repeat questions a lot, even when they're not complex. She says, and during Ask Farnoosh, maybe skip the kudos in people's letters. We know how great you are. So get to the inquiry and your awesome advice. Hmm. And lastly, she says, production quality is sometimes not so bueno. We understand you interview people remotely, but maybe get a producer to help edit out the reverb or use better tools. Thanks for all that you do. Stay up. I don't know, Sophia. I want to appreciate this, but I don't know. I feel like it would have come from the heart if she had left an email address just so that way you could keep an open dialogue with her. I think that would have been ideal. Maybe she didn't, maybe, you know, she didn't leave one just because she didn't want to be contacted for whatever reason. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with that, but you know, you can yeah. please everyone. <laughs> Look, uh, I think that, she, I think it's, it's a well-intended email 
I think that, you know, it's a little, it's a little harsh, actually. I, I totally agree with what you say. I think that I do, re- I don't know if I repeat questions, but I don't shoot from the hip. You know, this is a conversation podcast. There's going to be ums. They're going to, it's not super polished. I'm not reading from a prompter. I don't know if I can really change that or if I want to. And I do have a production team. I can't always control the audio from the other person's end. We try our best to really smooth everything out and we do use good tools. So I really apologize if you're not getting like the podcast of your dreams here. Not so bueno. All right. So let's move on. What's Who's next? All right. So our first question comes from Tom. He's a fellow Penn Stater. Yes, I know Tom. <laughs> I know Tom. He and I had a uh, poli-sci class together and we were in the honors college together. Oh, that's so nice. Well, Tom writes in and he goes, Farnoosh, what would you recommend for someone looking to save money for a purchase several years off like a wedding, looking to make it somewhat difficult to access to prevent temptation and also minimize risk and impact of inflation? Thanks. Hmm. Well, first of all, Tom, you're so thoughtful for thinking so far in advance about the someday wedding that you're going to have. I think that you're taking the first right step, which is thinking about it, being proactive, because it's always ends up being more than you think. Just like a renovation, just like buying a car, a wedding, everything is always, it turns out to be a little bit more than what you thought it was going to be. So starting ahead and planning it out. And any money that you absolutely need, you need to have that liquidity for some kind of an emergency or big purchase that's important in the next five years, I would try to keep most of that liquid. Anything above five years, I would say, put it in the stock market, put it in something like an exchange-traded fund, uh, maybe money market earns less interest, but it's something more than just 0.01%. That said, there are a lot of online savings accounts that, you know, it's not super sexy, but it's 1%, you know, to get started. I think like Goldman Sachs has an online account. Ally Bank and all sorts of other online banks that do that. And again, like you mentioned, the beauty of that is that it prevents temptation from taking the money out. One last thought that I have on that though, which is that there's a website called smartypig.com. And smartypig intends to help people kind of in your boat that have short-term goals, short to midterm goals, whether it's paying for a wedding, buying a car, putting up a down payment for a home, going on a vacation that's like around the world that's going to be five figures or something like that and encourages you to save for those goals in an online savings account. The interest is pretty competitive. I think it's around 1% or 1.2%. And at the end of your savings goal, which by the way, during your savings journey, you can invite people to save uh, into your account. So birthdays, holidays, whatever the occasion, you can almost treat it like a Kickstarter, you know, and give people the links and they can go in and quote, quote unquote donate to your savings goal. Their donation is not a tax write-off, but you know, you get the point. It's considered like a, a contribution and that can help to get your, uh, your savings goals met. And then at the end, you can either cash out, get a debit card with that money on it. If it's something like a trip that you're planning to go to, the website has partners and affiliations with different hotels and travel agencies that can help you get discounts on purchases. And also, I mean, it basically has a mall so you can go and use that money and I think earn even discounts. So that's the last thing that I would recommend. Have you ever heard of Smarty Pig, Sophia? I have not. It's kind of, I'll have to check I, it I, out. Like, I've been recommend, it's been around for a while. I remember writing about it 
in like 2008 or 2009. Let me look it up and just make sure if they're still alive and well. (laughs) And here they are, smartypig.com. And the, oh, their interest rate's gotten a little less since we last checked. It's 0.75% right now. You know, look around. I wouldn't say this is the best, but definitely I like it because it's goal-oriented. So check out smartypig.com. Okay, who is asking our next question? All right, the next question comes from Christy. She writes, Hi, Farnoosh. I'm a Canadian living in Vancouver and listen to your show daily. I've learned so much from you since I started listening six plus months ago. I'm an interior designer and will be visiting New York City in mid-May for ICFF. Can you recommend any budget-friendly, musty restaurants, events, or amazing design centers? Thanks a ton. Your podcast is so money. Well, thank you, Christy. How exciting that you're coming to the Big Apple. Well, I've been living here for, gosh, 13 years, 14 years, plus the summers in college. And Sophia, you are from the, you're from kind of the Tri-State area. You've been living in New York since college. I think, you know, definitely check out Brooklyn. I think there's some amazing cuisine food out here and sites we're really making a name for ourselves out here in the borough. So whether you go to Williamsburg, which is not where I live, but has tons of restaurants and it's really a great scene for getting some cool cocktails, great music, great vibe in Williamsburg. And then in Brooklyn Heights and um, Park Slope, great restaurants around here as well. So I would suggest actually a website called grubhub.com and nymag.com has some great current up and coming or best bang for your buck kind of deals and steals when it comes to food and restaurants and things like that. In Midtown, one of my favorite restaurants, which is kind of a hole in the wall, but pretty big once you get inside and just a great vibe because it's truly Parisian. Like everyone speaks French. I'm a Francophile. So everyone speaks French. The menu's French. Um, the music's French. It's perfect. It's like a, it's like you go back in time and you're in Paris. It's called La Bonne Soup. Have you ever been there, Sophia? I have. It's really delicious. Isn't it? I love and that spot. Yeah. It's just a really charming, lovely restaurant. The people are great. The staff is really sweet. So check that out. It's not expensive. I think like you know, 15, 13 bucks for an entree. And a lot of their entrees are crepes, which is very Francais. <laughs> and as far as sites, we know that at the Met right now, there is something that might be appealing to you as an interior designer. If you like fashion, there is the Man X Machina. Is that what it is? Manus X Machina. Manus yeah, that's the, Machina. the Costume Institute Gala's spring exhibit, which is yes. supposed to be fantastic. Yes. Check the calendars for all the museums. Um, you said you're coming in June. There are certain days of the week that are free. And sometimes I know the Met, the first, I believe it's the first Friday of every month, they do free tours in the evenings. So check out, definitely worth checking out the websites for the different museums before coming just to see if you can plan your visit or your timing around sometimes when they have freebies going on. I would just recommend, honestly, taking a walk putting on some really comfortable shoes and walking up and down maybe Central Park, starting at maybe the Upper West Side or the Upper East Side and walking your way down to the village. If it's a nice day, you could really get some nice uh, some nice Fitbit miles going, but also just being here, I think, in the city is very inspirational. You know, everything, the skyline, I think, um, speaking of skyline, do go to the High Line, right? Have you? I've not actually been to the High Line recently. Have you, Sophia? Believe it or not, I'm really ashamed to say I've never been. I've never been. I know. 
I feel like it's the kind of thing where it's always uh, under construction. They've been growing it and growing it, and now it's finally done. But it's essentially – it starts at around 14th and 10th Avenue, and it runs up the west side for about 20 or 30 blocks. And it's this uh, basically an above-ground park. And the Whitney Museum is there. Again, if it's a nice day, it's a must stroll. So do that. Um, but check out nymag.com, grubhub.com. Uh, lots of great inexpensive uh, options on those sites. All right. You're making me want to go out and explore my city again. Thanks so much, Christy. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. All right. The next question comes from Sandra. Sandra writes in, Farnoosh, I'm so happy I came across your podcast at a time of much financial financial stress. Would you be able to educate those of us who know very little about finance? I have a background in science and my business background is obsolete. I have a Roth IRA that I know very little about. I want to educate myself about keeping track of my money. What resources do you recommend and what's the best way to have control over my finances? Well, I think, Sandra, you should give yourself more credit. I mean, the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you're writing in, you have a Roth IRA, Uh, you have a business background, give yourself more credit. You know more than you think or you know more than you feel. And so I'm just going to be the first to tell you that you should just be a little more confident for sure. But of course, if you want more information, there is an endless amount of information out there. But I think the one resources that I like the most uh, definitely, obviously, listen to this podcast. Uh, and there are other podcasts in this category in this space that are great. There's one that Paula Pant puts out called Money, the Elvest podcast, Money for the Rest of Us, J. David Stein. He's actually been a guest on this show. And then for online resources, I like nerdwallet.com. I used to work there. I was a contributor. And what's great about NerdWallet is that it's a free website. It really breaks down the A to Z of personal finance and helps you assess situations in your life that you might come across. Like, should I buy that house? Should I switch jobs? How do I open up a 529? What is a Roth IRA? Really gives you clear, rich answers for all of that. And they also have this really cool ask an advisor feature, which works like this. You go on to nerdwallet.com, click on ask an advisor. Then you ask a question on their website. And within, I think, 24 hours, an individual, like a real human being, gets back to you with a thoughtful response. And it's free. 
And so I think it's uh, for that reason too, I love Nerd Wallet. And then there's also other great websites like bankrate.com, money.com. We mentioned Paula Pant earlier, but she also not only has a podcast, but she has a website called affordanything.com. Mr. Money Mustache is a super popular personal finance blog. You know, YNAB is pretty cool too, youneedabudget.com. Now that's not really a blog, but it is a it's a software that can help you budget. And obviously it's called you need a budget, but um, also just establish goals and be more conscious about your money. And people who use it love it. It's not free, but it's again, it's, it's a really valuable resource. Okay, let's move on. All right. The next question comes from Ashley. She writes in, hi, Farnoosh. I love your podcast and have been listening for about a year. Thank you for all of your insight. I'm almost 28 and have maxed out my IRA for the last three years, but I don't have six months of income saved up. Should I switch priorities and make that my main focus? Would love your insight. Yeah, I think that sounds right, Ashley. I think that if you don't have an emergency account, you should definitely prioritize that. And you're 28, which means that if you did lose your job, I don't think it would take you that long to find another job. You're, you know, at a point in your career probably where you have a lot of options. So great news that you've maxed out your IRA, but I would say that if you really need to make a choice here, I would focus more on emergency savings. And and not to say to neglect retirement, but definitely maybe put more towards hitting that six month of income saved up. And it doesn't even have to be income. It could be just your basic expenses to make it easier for you. You know, if you did lose your job tomorrow, what are the things that you absolutely need to pay for to keep the wheels turning? I'm assuming that would be rent and some food, car payments, insurance, things like that, that uh, you know doesn't include things like a clothing budget or a travel budget, but just the basic necessities. And if you can recoup those costs and multiply that by six to nine, I think you're going to be in really great shape. And at that point, you can go back to being aggressive with your IRA. I used to think that you needed six months of income, Sophia, but I think that expenses is just fine. I mean, income is a great thing to shoot for, your replacement income, but uh, that just because that will allow you to just keep status quo. But if it really comes down to it, if you can pay for your necessary expenses, then that's fine too. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. You have to agree with me because I pay you money and then you 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 cannot disagree with me ever. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, all right. We have time for one more question. And it's a man, right? Yeah, it comes from Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom was a man too, but I feel like we get so many ladies calling in, which is great. But it's also nice to hear from the fellas. All right. So Mike writes, hey, Farnoosh, I've been listening since January, and you even answered a question of mine about student loan debt recently. My next question has to do with non-compete clauses. I signed a two-year do not compete at my current job when I started. I'm beginning to think I made a bad deal for myself. What advice can you give on approaching this topic with my employer without them assuming I'm going to split. To be honest, I don't feel the company has held up their end of the employment deal we made. And I think my services may be better utilized elsewhere. Thanks. Hmm. Well, non-compete clauses are not uncommon. First thing I would do, Mike, is I would say, grab your contract and go through that fine print again. Because it sounds like you're not 100% sure Uh, what it all says. And my guess is that they're just saying that the non-compete is such that you can't leave and go work for a competitor 
So a company that makes the same products or is in the same line of work and do what you do for two years. But if you have the sort of skill set that can be applicable anywhere or in a lot of places outside your industry, then don't sweat it. Because in that case, you might still be able to go and get a good job and do what you do, but in a different industry. So that could be an option. If you feel that your clause is very binding, very restricting, very limiting, and you really want out and you don't want to give a red flag to your employer, then maybe it's a sort of situation where you will go and you meet with a labor attorney, you know, somebody who can really read through this fine print, find maybe a loophole or understand better your situation. The fact that you're unhappy, maybe they haven't lived up to their end of the bargain. Maybe there's a way where you can peacefully end this relationship and they can be flexible on the two-year non-compete. I have found, not in my experience, but I've heard around that sometimes if you've done a good job, they'll be flexible. They'll say, okay, maybe we'll, we'll go to six months instead of two years because you have to make a living. If it can be found that this contract was disproportionately in favor of your employer, left you with no options, two years, basically unemployment because you've had this non-compete, that's not going to fly in any courtroom. If that is the situation, if that's the case, which sounds pretty extreme, I think there's still hope. Whew. You don't have a non-compete in your in your um, contract, Sophia, just so you know. Oh, good to you know, go good to know. Some, you can go work for like Dave Ramsey after this, and I'm sure he'd be <laughs> happy to have you. And <laughs> I'd be I'd be sorry to miss you, but at least you know, like you're you're the world is still your oyster after you leave working for me. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> good, good. Because okay, you don't have to stay if you're not happy, but I would be really sad. No, I'm still having a great time, and I think there's still a lot to learn from you, so, Fernand. Oh my gosh, I have a lot to learn. So if I have a lot to learn, <laughs> you still have a lot to learn. Listen, this has been really fun. And I want to thank all of our listeners who wrote in questions, Mike and Ashley and Sandra, Christy, Tom, even Sheena. I thank you for your for your suggestions. If you have any other questions, other thoughts for me, the best way to get in touch is somanypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh and we will connect. All right, Sophia, I hope you have a good weekend. You too. And everyone else listening, wherever you are, at home, on a run, in the car, hope you have a great weekend and hope it's so money.